Hello, this is Dr. Jacqueline. You have tuned the in to Hot Topic Bold Talk, a podcast where we dive into everything that matters today. Join us as we explore the hottest trends and pressing issues with conversations that sizzle and perspectives that we are. This is Hot Topic Bold Talk. Since every chat has something cooking, let's dive into today's discussion with Podcast 59. Now, Podcast 59 is titled, How Do You See White Entitlement and White Supremacy Being Exhibited Today? And I have a real simple way that you can learn those and be able to identify by understanding and knowing and experiencing white entitlement and white supremacy in this podcast. So let me start by saying that in Podcast 58, I begin the discussion of what benefits whites have that black and people of color do not have. I begin the discussion of white supremacy and white domination. And I defined those in the previous podcast. I gave you one definition of racism. And there are others you as a listener can search out because there are many definitions of racism. Now, even though I'll be talking about white immunity as a substitute for white privilege, I believe white entitlement can also be a powerful term to help us help us ask ourselves as Caucasians to see the social unearned benefits we receive due to our whiteness. I want each of you to receive the list of the 50 socially unearned benefits that Peggy McIntosh put together. Therefore, those of you that want the entire list can email me at Jacqueline, J-A-C-K-A-L-Y-N, at D like dog, T like Tom, P like Paul, leadership.com. Again, my email is Jacqueline, J-A-C-K-A-L-Y-N, at D like dog, T like Tom, P like Paul, leadership.com. The day has come that I need to read that list continually and feel the impact of this list on other racial groups and stop trying to deny about white entitlement and white supremacy because I see that so often in in Caucasian. Now, I want to return to Peggy McIntosh's article since I would be remiss in excluding from any discussion some significant points she has made. In her article, she helped me to confront myself and realize what I needed to do. She says, I repeatedly forget each of the realizations on the list until I wrote it down. The pressure to avoid it is great. If these things are true, she's talking about on the list, this is not such a free country. One's life is not what one makes of it. 
many doors open for certain people, whites, through no virtue of their own. It's very different for blacks and persons of color. She said, I see a pattern running through the matrix of white privilege, a pattern of assumptions that were passed on to me as a white person. I can think of myself as belonging in major ways and of making social systems work for me. She goes on to say, I want then to distinguish between earned strength and unearned power conferred systematically or with the systemic processes going on uh, in our processes in our country. Power from unearned privilege, she says, can look like strength when it is, in fact, permission to escape or to dominate others. I think we're seeing that very clearly. I'm going to use some quotes from another article entitled Reckoning with White Supremacy, Five Fundamentals for White Folks by Lovie Cooper. She says, as demonstrations in response to the murder of African Americans and countless others gain momentum across the United States, many white people nationwide are being forced to confront the idea that flashpoints like this are not isolated missteps within an otherwise faithful system. Rather, Increasingly, white folks are realizing each day that the very fabric of our society is, in fact, based on enduring violence against black people and other marginalized groups. White supremacy inequalities actively reproduced across history and through the present in new forms and with new mechanisms of white power. Understand, too, that white supremacy is irrevocably tied up in anti-blackness, a socialized way of stereotyping, stigmatizing, and discarding black people in ways that oppresses or harms them. Our culture supports the view that black lives do not matter in a myriad of ways, small and big, conscious and unconscious, intentional and unintentional every day. And that's true of the other races as well. Now, as I provide these quotes, my experience tells me to warn Caucasians about how they look at those quotes. Do not look at these quotes and search to see where your individual thoughts about the statements provide cause for you to be individually different from most other white folks. If you do, you're in the denial process and not looking at the quotes with reality. If you do this too, you will be like so many other white folks that I've met that want to see racism as an individual act of meanness, which denies the systemic white supremacy that's part of our country. Two, do not be the person that will not take the time to connect to the systemic process we have in our society that has supported white supremacy for years. If you do that, you will remain ignorant and have no real connection 
with the loud screaming that we are hearing in every broadcast from every form of media and articles that are prolifically online and in magazines and newsletters. Number three, you make the mistake that Cooper talks about in her article with the following statement, then you will have truly missed the opportunity to be a part of an amazing movement, an amazing movement to take action to eradicate racism from our country. Here's what Cooper says. White folks must work to find ways to speak without absolving themselves and without denying the fact we're we're continually at risk of failing as white people. As Sarah Amend has argued, the language we think of as critical can easily lend itself to the thing we critique. Saying we are racist becomes a claim to have overcome the conditions, unseen racism, that require the Speech Act in the first place. This kind of self-absolution is fundamental to the ways white Americans talk about race. Racism is always the fault of someone else, someone who does not know what I know. As black activists continue to make racial oppression an unavoided topic, the mainstream wants you to avoid necessary self-criticism by, by placing and pinning blame on others. And we're seeing that dramatically in the political arena in a specific area. And here's some of my personal and professional realization. Here's what I know that has happened to me over 50 years of social justice work. I accept the fact that white supremacy exists. I accept the fact that white entitlement exists. I accept that racism and many isms have been fostered and embedded in our culture in the United States. I know that as Caucasians, we are not able to separate ourselves from white privilege, white entitlement, and white supremacy. These items are embedded in the, in the fiber of our being as Caucasians. Disapproving of the system will not be enough to change it, nor are shouting how much we disapprove that the systemic aspect of white entitlement and white supremacy that feed racism. Changing my attitude about racism will not change what is going on. I've said several times that this is a systemic and unseen process that feeds all the things I've talked about. We will have to unite together to see how privilege is fed throughout our history and how in the past and even today, our political tools are used to keep white supremacy in place. It's very evident with Trump and the mega Republicans and what they're doing in the various states related to education and all kinds of things. I have quit talking about equality since we seem to get, uh, get nowhere, even though it is stated over and over again in our document. Even the word equity is incomplete. It has been often used to protect unearned advantages and dominance and create endless debates that get us nowhere. 
I also know it will take decades to make systemic change. However, I am sick of watching the impact of white privilege, white entitlement, and white supremacy. I'm going to continue to speak out and write about these inequities, share views of other writers, and show how Caucasians can do the work on our own racial group to allow us to join with Blacks and people of color to make changes to the oppressive system that exists in America. But I feel encouraged by the actions taken every day to make certain that Black lives or any lives matter. And when we come to the realization that Black lives or Hispanic uh, lives or Asian lives, when we see that we know those groups are appreciative, then we know all groups will be accepted. And I know as we address the groups in our country that experience oppression daily, that we will make a change. The elections show us that the Trump and mega Republicans are a significant threat to our democracy. My statements line out what they do not know, understand, or want to know about themselves. Besides, we cannot ignore the continued insane threats to all kinds of people that Trump has decided need to be punished if he were ever in political office again. We have to face the fact that we now have to fight hatred and ignorance in the white race, which is clearly present with Trump and mega Republicans. So, there you have it. Another episode of Hot Topic, Bold Talk, in the book. We journeyed through today's discussion, uncovering diverse perspectives and shedding light on crucial matters. Massive thanks to our wonderful listeners. I'm so grateful to all of you for being a part of this adventure. Feel free to drop your views in the uh, polls and question and answer section since it's very important for me to hear what you have to say. You're up for more in intriguing discussions in our next episode. Until then, stay connected, stay engaged, and let's keep these conversations buzzing. Thank you for listening.